Welcome to the Grace Never Podcast. Mm. This week's warning is a warning about modern psychology. Psychology, obviously, is the study of the soul. However, modern psychology is a study of the soul from a completely godless perspective, and they see man as simply the the product of biological processes, just chemicals and material and electrical impulses. And uh, that's that kind of undergirds the understanding of modern man. And so purpose and design and morality are all sort of relative within this um, within this system. And so I just want you want to warn you of anything that smacks of modern psychology and a lot of stuff that's come out of that, such as the self-esteem movement that, you need to, you really, your problem is that you don't love yourself enough or um, that you need to have a higher esteem of yourself and those kinds of things, that you need that in order to function properly. That's come out of modern psychology. There's all kinds of stuff that we could point to. I just want to warn you about that. There's a book by a guy named Richard Gantz called Psycho Babble. Psycho Babble. And he does a really good job. He's a former clinical psychologist, a brilliant guy. Uh, was a um, a converted Jewish man who became a he became a Christian, and uh, and then left the field of psychology and is now a biblical counselor and a pastor in Canada. Just really, really kind of a a legend in the biblical counseling movement. Psycho Babel is a great book. Check that out uh, to learn more about kind of the pitfalls of modern psychology. Is that good? Okay. <laughs> I think you need to go on the tour. I think you really take it on the road. You and me are going on tour. Take it on the road, but don't come back. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Okay, so today we wanted to hear from uh, from our pastor. Um, you know, a lot of folks are new to the church in the last, well, 20 years. There's a lot of new people in the church in that time, and um, I know a lot of people don't know your whole story, you know, of how you came to the Lord, where you grew up, and, um, and how you kind of ended up here. And so we were thinking maybe we would take about 20 minutes and just kind of get the Reader's Digest version of that, but we would love to share that with the church and think they would be, we thought they would be really encouraged about it. It's quite a story. And uh, so we love you, and uh, we know that folks will be blessed by by hearing this. So start at the beginning. Where were you born? Well, I was born in uh, Richmond Hospital in Richmond, California, and uh, grew up on a cattle ranch um, halfway between Martinez and Pinole, California, uh, about five miles away from civilization. That's as close as they would let us. Uh, be around people. Uh, I'm teasing, but we have, I was one of nine nine children, seven boys. Uh, our job growing up was to actually drive our sisters to the point of insanity and then back off. So um, grew up wild. Um, uh, we went to Pinole Valley High School, was Roman Catholic, um, did not have any thoughts of God at all. Uh, it was all just formality and religion to me. I didn't, uh, in fact, I think I probably would say the best description of me would be an agnostic. I used to make fun of Christians, thought they were judgmental and um, imposing their morality on us, uh, and didn't, I thought we were evolved and bought into the whole line of what the culture taught. Uh, So out of the blue, in 1970, my brother Matt uh, became a Christian, and we thought he was weird, and he started talking to us about Jesus, and we made fun of him for six months until one day I was laying in my bed and actually overheard him telling my brother Steve again about Jesus, 
And he said, Steve, God came to earth and walked around on hills just like this. And God used those words to shatter my agnosticism. I began to realize instantly, wait a second, God actually came to the planet, became human, uh, and died? That changes everything. And uh, God opened my heart to the gospel just laying there listening to that. Uh, before that, I was, like I said, I hated po police. Um, I hated cops. This is way back during the Black Panther era. You have to Google it to find out what that means. But I was fully in support of the violence and Black Panther um, anti-authority movement. And so immediately the thing I noticed after receiving Christ was the next day I woke up and the anger and hatred towards policemen were gone. Hmm. All of a sudden I found myself praying for them. Uh, and so my, my heart just changed immediately. It's like Romans 5 says, the love of God is just shed abroad in your heart. It was a kind of reality that, that I thought would wear off. I thought, wow, this is amazing. God's real. There's a real heaven. There's a real hell. This God who loves the human race and it changed everything for me. So I came to Christ in 1970 as a senior in high school. And um, I tried to witness to my friends. I remember immediately wanting to tell them about the Lord. And so I was into drugs. I was immoral. And, and so we'd go out partying and be in a car filled with smoke and barely see the guys. And in the midst of, a, of all this completely out of your mind high, I was witnessing to them. Uh, and telling them about Jesus. And they go, man, Fernandez, you're nuts. And so I, I just kept telling them about Christ, even though I was high myself. No one had told me yet that the Bible says you shouldn't get high. So I spent six months with that. I could not pull away from the drugs. I knew it was wrong, even though no, I, there was no church. We didn't know where to go. We didn't go to church. Um, my brother Steve, my brother Matt, and I all became Christians as my rest of my siblings went to the Catholic Church during those few, few months after being converted. We sat in the front row, opened our Bibles, and waited for them to tell us something from the Bible, and they didn't. It was just formality. And even apart from being taught anything from the Bible, never been in a local church, nothing, because the Holy Spirit's in you, you're aware of the fact, this isn't right. And, and so we just left and started our own church. Hmm. Uh, we became elders, quote-unquote, at, at 19 years old, of our own little Bible study at my mom's ranch. We invited our high school friends, our college friends, and before you knew it, there's 50. And every week they were coming to Christ. I remember witnessing it after the Bible study in the kitchen, my mom's kitchen, witnessing to my friends. Well, I think they got converted out of fear because my eyes would be bulging out of my head. I'd be hyperventilating, telling them about Jesus. And I think, man, they're converted. Well, they were just kind of like backing off. So despite our wild enthusiasm god actually did save dozens of college age and high school age people but we were we were untaught and in the midst of that i met a girl i remember i said that i was i was struggling with drugs i i kind of knew even though i hadn't been taught i knew that this was not right to be getting high every day and so i couldn't break from my friends they were so close to me and we were just that's what you do every day and and all of a sudden, this girl started pursuing me. And she started flirting with me. She was cute. And so her name was Pam. And Pam started flirting with me. I started flirting with her. And I took her to a park at Kennedy Park. And I had long hair. I looked like Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> I had a beard, long hair. 
and oh, just known as a drug taker. Yeah. I was kind of a you weird guy. You guys could guy. be brothers. What's that? You guys could be brothers. Yeah. So uh, even though I've got long hair and I'm a druggie, I'm also an athlete. So I played on a lot of the sports teams at the same time. I was a hybrid. And so I'm there, and immediately I'm with Pam, and I begin to tell her about the Lord. And I say, hey, Pam, I need to tell you I'm a Christian. Jesus is real. He died on the cross. She looked at me like, like a ghost. Are you kidding me? You can't be a Christian. You look, you're a, you're a druggie. You can't be a Christian. By the way, this girl, Pam, was the younger uh, cousin of my best friend. That's how, I, that's how, anyway, long story short, God used me to lead my future wife to the Lord, laying out on a grass in Kennedy Park. And I want to tell you, That'd probably be a good way to start any relationship with a young woman. Be right up front where you are with the Lord. Don't put it off. I tell my grandsons that now. I said, don't keep Jesus in the back burners and wait down the road to bring it up. Come right up with it where Christ is with you. And he honored that. And he actually brought, my wife had been praying, God, I need to know how to get to heaven. Brings this drug guy into her life. He finds out he's a Christian. She comes to Christ. We got, we, my, my wife and I, by the way, I found out that God has a sense of humor. My wife, Pam, told me later that the only reason she was flirting with me was to make her boyfriend jealous because her boyfriend had broke up with her. So it backfired on her. She fell in love with me. We stayed together for 50 years. Our 50th anniversary is coming up uh, next summer. And so God led me to Pam. Because of Pam, I was with her so much that I got away from my drug friends. God used that to break me from that. We got married in 73. Uh, I then worked as a carpenter. Uh, uh, while I was working as a carpenter, we began to have children. God's blessed us with four children and 16 grandchildren. They're all just the joy of my life. I can tell you this, don't sacrifice anything, ministry or anything, come second to your family put them first. They're my best friends. They're the joy of my life. I spend time around them all the time, my grandkids. Um, and they're just a joy to me. My son, in fact, is an elder at the church here at Grace. And my daughter is married to Ryan Rippey, who's the president of Cornerstone Seminary and also a pastor. And my other two daughters are just a joy to me. So all that time, Pam and I are having children. I'm, we got married. I then began to work as a carpenter, as I mentioned, while I was working as a carpenter in 71, two, I mean, 73, 4, and 5, those early 70s, I began to go to seminary at San Francisco Theological, Baptist Theological Seminary as a part-time student. I went there while I was being a carpenter. God put a burden on me, even back then, to want a pastor, and I knew I'm going to have to learn. So I decided, while I had two kids in the mid-70s, to go back to school and finished my college degree. So I went to Cal Berkeley, majored in archaeology and history, ancient and eastern history. While I was taking 17 units at Cal, I was working as a carpenter to support my family and teaching at the church. So I, I would not recommend that to anybody because I think I could have probably taken 12 units, but I went berserk, and it took time away from Pam, and she's so... By the way, I need to mention my wife. My wife, Pam, has been the source, God's source of joy and encouragement to me for 50 years. There would be no ministry apart from her. Uh, her sacrificial love for me and encouragement for me, even in the midst of her own illnesses, she has chronic 
multiple back surgeries, scoliosis. He has autoimmune diseases and different things. And all through all that pain, for 50 years, she's served God. She's taught children and encouraged me. I would tell young men, find a, find a woman who loves God, and you'll be blessed the rest of your life. Mm. So we got married. We had children. I began to go to school. Uh, the um, Lord opened the door for me to actually um, begin to be trained. The first 10 years while I was a new Christian, I went to Valley Bible Church, Hercules, California. Pastor Phil Howard was a great blessing and example in my life of expository preaching. He helped to train me. Uh, from there, began to just get plugged in at a local church right there for 10 years at Valley Bible Church. I taught children's church, men's Bible study, kids' ministry, Whatever they needed me to do, I did. And uh, I want to tell you out there, listen, just serve God wherever you're at. Mm-hmm. I never said, well, I, I'm, I'm going to be someday a senior pastor. I just said, I'm going to serve God where I'm at. And God just use you wherever you're at. You're not putting it off to some future day. So after 10 years at Valley, God led me to, uh, to get a master's degree. So I moved my family. They, they loved it, actually. We moved five miles from Disneyland went to uh, Talbot Seminary and got a, a master's degree down there. Did it in six months, a year program in six months. Uh, so came back, and the Lord led us to plant a church. Oh, prior to that, I'm sorry, the Lord led us to go to the East Coast, Massachusetts, where I was an interim pastor for six months at Dartmouth Baptist Church. From there, he led us back to plant a church in Pleasanton, California, Family Bible Church, we were there seven years. Uh, the Lord blessed it. Uh, during that time, I finished my master's at Talbot. And uh, after seven years there, the Lord caused me to, and just led me, uh, probably from loneliness. I was a church planner, but I was cut off from everybody. I didn't have other pastors. I didn't have encouragement. I was just out there doing my own thing. I didn't have anybody on staff with me. And the Lord blessed. We got from zero to about 100 people, got a building, but I was discouraged. And, um, and so ministry can be discouraging when you're alone, when you don't have people with you. And I was alone. And there'd be these, these seasons in which people would move away from you know, job transfers. And after a while, it really discouraged me. I said, Lord, I need, to, I, need to, I need to grow. I need to be out of this. So I left the church there, got another guy to come in and take the church. And uh, came to Community Bible Church in Vallejo, where my brother had planted a church about the same time I planted our church. Came on staff there for four years as an associate. Loved it. Helped them with their building program. Then God led us to Grace Church, where I'm at now, in 1994. It was Valentine's Day Sunday, 1994. He led us here. And we've loved it here. He's been kind to us. I love the church. Um, love God's people. During that time, I've learned some things uh, about pastoring and about just being in God's church. Number one, you have to do it for the right reasons. You have to be motivated by a love for Christ. Um, we, God allowed us to go through a church split about 20 years ago over doctrine, and these precious people, they just disagreed with a particular doctrine that I was teaching, the doctrine of election. But as a result of that, we had about 200 people leave the church and that just and that's just hurtful. I mean, relationships, people you love, people that you're friends with, and they love the Lord too. But through that all, you have to learn, Lord, I'm serving you. This is not ultimately because of people. Also, things like deaths. I, I lost my brother 10 years ago. 
my wife's mom and dad, my wife's brother, sister, all of these things take a toll on you. The, the, the trials of life that your kids go through, that your grandkids go through. So I've learned that the joy of the Lord really is your strength. You're sustained by him. Uh, he's the one that's your joy. He's the motivation for doing it, not human beings. And I've also learned incredibly how in, incredible and inadequate I am. At least twice in the 28 years I've been at Grace, I said, oh, Lord, I can't do this. <laughs> you got, there's a lot of guys who can do this a lot better than me. Send somebody else here to do it, Lord. And I wanted to actually leave twice because of this overwhelming sense of inadequacy. I'm not good enough. And I see these other guys out there and I go, man, they're, they're just way better at this than me. God would not release me. <laughs> um, both times I said, one of the reasons he won't release you is because if you're serving the Lord, it's not a job. It's a calling. And I can't leave because I feel discouraged. Mm. I can only leave when the Lord releases me because he's ultimately why we do what we do. So God's, God's helped me through the 28 years at Grace to learn his sustaining grace. I've seen wonderful fruit. I've also applied as a life verse to me, Galatians 2.20. Mm. Therefore, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And I just pray that as the Lord, I'm nearing 70, and as the Lord uh, uh, leads me through the final years of ministry, that more and more people would see that verse as a reality in their life. To him be the glory. Mm, amen. Now, one really interesting story from when you guys first got saved, right? Your two brothers. Oh, you're talking about the, yeah, the, the two witnesses of Revelation. Yes, yes. this is one of my so, favorite things I've ever heard. So when we were first saved, uh, remember now, we're, we're, we don't know there's another local church on the face of the earth. What's a local church? We're just, we're just Catholics saved and think we're the only saved people on earth. Yeah. Uh, no bookstores, no Bible bookstores, nothing. So my brother Matt, who's kind of mystical, he began to read Revelation 11 where it talks about there'd be two witnesses in the last days and they will give praise and they will make known Christ around the world so him and my other brother Steve took it upon themselves for a few weeks to think you know what we're the two witnesses of revelation <laughs> so my brother Matt would take a staff and go out in the hills like John the Baptist and sleep out in the hills and my brother <laughs> Steve and Matt my role was I was the voice calling down to them, telling them, you're idiots. I, <laughs> no, I, even I knew that wasn't true. But in their, in their delusional world, for a few weeks there, they thought they were the two witnesses of Revelation. And so then what dispelled that, that uh, delusion? Uh, when they began to realize there's other Christians. Yeah. <laughs> they began to see there's Bible, there's churches around. So, and that quickly dispelled that. From them. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. I love that. Well, Pastor John, I just... Um, it's a privilege to, to work with you, and I, I really love hearing what the Lord has done in your life, how He sustains you, and um, I, mean, I know so many people speak of the impact uh, of your ministry on them, people getting saved, people getting turned around. Of course, it's all of the Lord, but He uses people like, like us, and I just really am so grateful to work with you. So thank you for sharing your story, and I, I know that will bless people that uh, haven't heard it before. So amen. To God be the glory. Amen. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Gray Snapper podcast. Until next week, keep swimming. Mm-hmm.